guys, superhero franchises are ruining cinema. Anyone care to disagree? Actually, superhero stories are part of a rich folk tradition of mythological tales of gods and goddesses. Every culture throughout history venerates its heroes, be they named Achilles and Odysseus or Superman and Wonder Woman. Besides, the commercial success of these mainstream tentpoles allow their cast and crew to take artistic risks on independent projects that would otherwise never be made. Oh my god, they're smarter than me! Well, hello everyone. Welcome to Struggle Session. I'm Leslie the Third. I'm Jack Allison. And today, this is a special episode. We're recording it live. We are broadcasting it live on Twitch. This is going to be a live podcast recording because Jack has made it clear to me that we need to cut these hours down. My boy Jack. I don't have the time for this bullshit. I'm trying not to do any work at all. And um, this is this is creating a third hour of work for me on some days. And that is simply unacceptable. <laughs> so we're going to get all together. So we're, we're doing the struggle session, my live stream that goes on after Jack AM, as well as recording our actual uh, job job podcast. Right. Uh, as well, we, we're getting it all together. But we have a very special guest today very special guest they are the host of the brand new show r.i.p cinema they have been a guest on the struggle session podcast before they also uh, have a uh, podcast we need to talk about kevin about kevin smith which i have been a very reluctant guest on because <laughs> i absolutely hate kevin smith but that shows you how how high a regard i hold this woman and uh, she is one of the most uh my favorite people that I've met in my entire time uh, being online. Feel very fortunate to have them uh, as a guest again on Struggle Session. Rose Gunn, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you so much. That is such a such a sweet intro. I actually wanted to shout you out uh, when we were starting off here because uh, uh, it's been over a year now since my first appearance on Struggle Session talking about the Watchmen show. And that was my first <laughs> podcast appearance ever. And since then, yeah, I've like I've gotten a little uh, a little Twitter presence and uh, I've totally revamped my YouTube channel and I've done my own podcast. Uh, although I'm currently I've, I recently left. Uh, we need to talk about Kevin to focus on my own stuff, but they're still going and I would still recommend checking them out. So I, I just wanted to thank you, uh, you and Jack, for uh, for giving me my start in the, the podcasting <laughs> well, game. You're, you're, very, in the you're, you're very welcome. And, and also in, in a lot of ways, I apologize uh, in many ways. I, <laughs> yes. I apologize. As obviously. Well, obviously. <laughs> Honestly, it was uh, it was fantastic timing because um. I found uh, over uh, over the past year or so, uh, it's been so, so useful for me to have a creative outlet online and to be able to meet so many wonderful people. Uh, so yeah, podcasting's actually ended up being a really big benefit to my life uh, since quarantine. Topical episode today, um, where we're going to just talk about what's been in the news, what's been going on. And frankly, you know, the biggest thing that I've seen people very upset about, again, it's just more of this cancel culture run amok basically <laughs> and they finally came for him um i think we all knew this was com coming they finally came for doctor dr seuss that son of a bitch can't that, that evil son of a bitch is finally getting his finally we've <laughs> all been waiting for the day finally yes his estate has said that six of his books will no longer be in print. Uh, six of his most racist mm -hmm. books. These books have been determined to contain racist imagery. There's no controversy about this. Dr. Seuss was like racist and did do a bunch of ra racist images. It's been a meme for like years. Years like an early internet meme was, hey, did you know Dr. Seuss was a fucking racist? Like that's been happening for 20 years. So it's actually kind of a, this is kind of like a late, cancellation if i'm being honest with you because people have been talking about this for as long as they've been talking about uh lovecraft being racist basically it's been both of them but uh dr seuss enterprises which oversees uh the his work says that uh the the absolute bangers um and to think that i saw it on mulberry street and 
If I Ran to the Zoo, as well as McElliot's Pool. And, no, McElliot's I mean, Pool. We all know McElliot's Pool. McElliot's Pool, yes. Um, on Beyond Zebra, uh, just total classic. Scrambled Egg Super. Scrambled Egg, not even green eggs, just regular scrambled eggs, I guess. And the Cat's Quizzer. Mm-hmm. The Cat's Quizzer. If you cannot go to a garage sale and find you know, 15 copies of any of these in any little posh neighborhood where the parents buy their kids 100 children's books that they don't look at. Um, you Or if you didn't get in on the ordering when you heard about this news and the weirdos who need like, well, now it's like Dr. Now you can, Seuss books. Now you can sell them for like hundreds of bucks on, on Amazon because, you know, people who listen to Ben Shapiro are convinced that it's political action to own these like, you know, lesser Seusses. Yeah, but if you weren't if you weren't in on that, you may be out of luck. You may be out of luck. Now you have twenty other Doctor Seuss books to read, and I would actually uh, propose that if you bought twenty Doctor Seuss books for your child, and your child has read them all, like cover to cover, and is done with them, you know, as kids do, you should probably buy them a book without pictures at this point because they know how to read now. If they've done twenty Doctor Seuss books. Well, they know how to read, and you don't have to get the racist ones yeah. too. Like well, listen, you can, like you have enough. I, I I am of the mindset that I'm like, uh, these are not banned books. You know, conservatives are trying to make this into a big fucking thing where it's like Dr. Seuss is banned. No, these are not banned books. This is the like ongoing, um, you know, uh, estate of Dr. Seuss. Continuing that they uh, to think that they like will get in trouble if they continue to publish and sell these. Yes. You know what I mean? It's not like Joe Biden has stepped in and said, Dr. Seuss is now canceled and banned. It's like they have decided or Robin D'Angelo even (laughs) like they have honestly decided that like if they keep publishing these books, they'll probably get in trouble. You know what I mean? Like it's not like the books don't exist anymore. Um, And so, listen, in my opinion, you know, I have this thought around, you know, uh, canceling old works or whatever the fuck, uh, which is that like, I don't think these are need to be looked at by kids. I think that's some stupid shit. But I do think that like people should reckon with like who Dr. Seuss was and like what that reflects on like the society that he was a part of. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think it's, you know, and I don't even think this is what's happening here, but it's like we don't need to pretend that Dr. Seuss was never racist. You know what I mean? Like, and if anything, I'm like, yeah, this is like the, this is the, you know, the estate not wanting to get in trouble over what are the facts around who Dr. Seuss is. Maybe we need new children's book writers. Maybe we need new children's books um, because like Dr. Seuss uh, um, grew up and, you know, came up in a time when it was like very acceptable to do very racist drawings of Japanese and black people. I think what's going on here is a very clear attempt to have the brand of Dr. Seuss uh, retain relevancy in 2021. And I think when you look at the list here, all these books, I mean, these are not bestsellers. They're not taking off cat and the hat off their list. You know what I mean? What they're doing is taking the books that haven't sold like a single copy in years, (laughs) sacrificing them because they don't make any money anyways, and then using it as fodder for a um, a cancel culture, you know, uh, moment to blow up the brand a little bit in a very similar way to how Disney will often play both sides by like um, by banning uh, certain works, like like Song of the South has a very long history. Of this I I think that's what they're they're doing is they just want Dr. Seuss to be like relevant and right now like sorry no one's talking about cat in the hat (laughs) (laughs) well i mean i talked a lot about the grinch this year and there was a lot of grinch Grinch. chat there was i think the grinch was very was very was historically relevant this year in covid (laughs) christmas but i I agree with you rose for the most i do agree with you rose for the most part that like you know this and disney you know these are like the rights holders to intellectual property that probably should not be held by rights holders anymore. Uh, uh, but we have fucked up copyright laws in this country. Well, Jack, I see. I promised everyone the ultimate Dr. Seuss take. And it came to me in a vision because I was compared because when I mentioned Lovecraft earlier and like 
I was like, well, I guess, you know, if some Lovecraft works went out of print, I would feel pretty pissed off too, in fact, if I was like a hardcore, I mean, Dr. Seuss fan. So I understand that. <laughs> but then I realized that will never, ever happen to Lovecraft because Lovecraft's family isn't keeping control right. of his He's works. Public, right. domain. public domain. Anybody can print H.P. Lovecraft. His works will always be there. Uh, mm-hmm. Dr. Seuss and H.P. Lovecraft were like contemporaries almost. But because the rights got fucked up with Lovecraft, nobody really knows who owns it. That's kind. That's actually what happened uh, with them. Nobody knows it. And so that it, the there is no the, this this is not an issue for most people unless you know except for the fact that they can preserve these copyrights forever. And then the family has to look around and say, well, fuck if we. Uh, don't stop publishing the problematic stuff. We're going to get in trouble. So we want that money to keep coming in. So we're just going to stop publishing it. It's all about the fact that people are still making money off of these works instead of them being in the public domain like they absolutely should be by now. Yeah. And listen, I, I agree with that very much. And I would also say that, like, the fact that these works don't go into the public domain, this is like an example of us not really being, like, allowed to engage with these as artworks. You know what I mean? It's like, I, I actually think that, like, the Song of the South should be available everywhere because, like, it is embarrassing to the Disney company. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, it's embarrassing to the Disney company that they, like, participated in this and, like, what it reflects on, like, American society and, like, the white supremacist West or whatever. Like, it actually is not, like, it's, it, you know, again, like, you're a Lovecraft fan and it's, like, through, ex- like, people are allowed to examine and have different interpretations of his work. You know what I mean? Like, because he's from hundreds and hundreds of years ago and we're not going to be allowed all that stuff for, like, the fucking IP for the IP, you know, world that we live in these days. Like, you know, I, I don't know that I particularly again, like I don't particularly care about Dr. Seuss Enterprises not doing 2021 publications of like Dr. Seuss's racist works or whatever, except in the sense that I'm like, this is. And I don't care about it in the conservative sense where they're like, what the fuck? You're canceling Dr. Seuss and this stuff is unequivocally good or whatever. I just care about it in the like in the like observing and critiquing American culture sense of like we should not hide away these things and pretend that America was always woke and pretend that Disney was always woke and Dr. Seuss was always woke. What we should do is like reckon with all this stuff and no it shouldn't be on the bookshelves next to all the other children's books by dr seuss but it should be in like the i don't know like the literature section or something like that yeah, uh, like- uh, and i do think it's like you know it, it, it's 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 in service of capital that they are uh, um can't that they're you know no longer publishing these works instead of you know uh, uh in service of uh, art yeah i want to throw out a, a quick uh recommendation out there not to throw in a competing podcast but the podcast uh we need to talk about i think it's called we need to talk about this oh wait, sorry no it's um you you must remember this yes no yeah uh, yeah, yeah that's a, they had the, a the the uh the, the karina longworth yes, podcast. Yeah, uh, yeah. i just yeah. want to recommend to anyone out there um she has a fantastic series on song of the south which i found really illuminating for how disney mm-hmm. specifically uh, utilizes its racist past and past and plays on both sides of the political spectrum in order to strengthen their brand. Uh, really, mm-hmm. really good series. Yeah, I mean, I found out from that podcast, and I didn't know this before, is that the uh, um, the fucking ride Splash Mountain was built in the 1980s. So everybody talking about yeah, like you know the know wonderful history <laughs> of Splash Mountain and everything like that that was constructed in the 1980s because there was a big conservative movement behind Ronald Reagan. You know, and so it is kind of like Song of the South has always been. And and again, I would say and I have Song of the South on my Plex and I'm like, everybody should watch Song of the South. You really should watch Song of the South because it was like it's very reflective of like, I don't know, like where film came from. Like film only became popular because of uh, uh, because of the D.W. Griffith movie, you know, uh, um, and like even Gone with the Wind has a lot of like. Um, has a lot of, you know, uh, glamorizing uh, uh, the Confederate South. Um, and Song of, the S- Song of the South is just another sort of extension of that, you know? And we, I think we should reckon with all this stuff rather than do the kind of Hamiltonization or, you know, uh, uh, 
what the fuck is that show Bridgertonization of history <laughs> where we're like history actually was always woke uh and in fact like you know white supremacy isn't bad if we're seeing immigrants do the white supremacy Jesse Smollett as Robert E. Lee in Disney's <laughs> Civil War. Isn't it about time we had a Robert E. Lee of color, you know? Yeah, another another recommendation I'll actually throw out there on that note. Um, on Criterion right now, I haven't looked into it yet, but on the Criterion channel, they have a really big collection of uh, black westerns, which I had never, like heard of, like, from the golden era of westerns, like 60s and 70s. Um, so it might be something interesting in there for you, Jack. I would even talk about like the searchers. You know what I mean? Like that's a beautiful movie. Super that racist. Is also movie. That is super <laughs> fucked up and racist. Beautiful you know and what racist. I mean? yeah. It is a beautiful and absolutely <laughs> fucked up and racist movie. And it's like, I don't know, like we should like if we're talking about the history of film and we're talking about like what film is today and what America's contributions have been to culture like it's time to reckon with all of it rather than to just I even don't mind. Uh, uh, I know we're not supposed to have up the chat as we're recording this live, but somebody was talking about <laughs> AMC is doing a series where they kind of show old works and then contextualize them. That's not something that bothers me. I think that that's actually a good thing to be doing to talk about, like where these works, you know, stand in history and offer a little bit of context for it. That's a lot healthier to me than like this didn't ever exist or frankly, the stuff that Disney does where they like cut, you know, they cut things out of Dumbo and stuff like that. Yeah. It's it's in the brand's interest to uh, erase that part of history. Mm hmm. And frankly, it's like, you know, if we really want to talk about this stuff like Mickey Mouse is a minstrel image. You know what I oh, mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, you can currently go to Disneyland and buy uh, uh, tons and tons of products everywhere of what is a minstrel cartoon character. Yeah, and Disney's put a ton of work into uh, covering up their old, like, you know, racist and Nazi cartoons as well. Like, there's the the kind of legendary collection of banned Disney cartoons that they just won't allow to show anywhere because they are mm -hmm. Disney at their most despicable, just like fully, fully Nazi propaganda cartoons. Should not be allowed. They should be forced to. They should be forced to keep this stuff in print really so should. people know exactly um, what they're standing. And that moves us to our next topic of the day. The Disney stands. Oh my God. Are fucking on one post election like I could not imagine. I guess that since less people are talking about politics now that Biden say, has yeah. come into office and taken care of everything. Now the new cultural war happening online that we're documenting uh, is that Disney fandom is like rising up for what reason? I don't know, but their big thing, one big thing that they had going is that there was this clip and I don't actually think it's a Disney show. It's a show by the guy who did, what was it called? Normal show. JG oh, yeah. Quintel um, is the guy who, who makes the show. Uh, it's called Close Enough. It's called Close Enough. It's an adult cartoon, mm -hmm. but there's a, a little adult, clip. Quote unquote. Adult, yeah, <laughs> yes. Adult quote unquote. Adult, quote, quote, quote. Uh, adult by play, age. I, adult by age cartoon. Legally adult. <laughs> yes. Technically yeah. adults. This is intended for people who are technically adults. <laughs> the clip was posted with uh, this quote that says, someone should just show this to old directors whenever they complain about comic book movies. And then you have some godlike Zeus looking figure come down and say, hey dudes, comic book movies suck. And then like three... Uh, uh, like children lecture him about actually superhero stories are like uh, modern mythology and stuff. And you're stupid for even like putting them down. Like you're, you're like, what kind of fool would not love, would not, <laughs> would look at, you know, civil war and not see, you know, the works of Homer uh, in it. Like this is the, our modern Aeneid. And this clip went viral both positively and negatively with a lot of people pushing back on this, the, the idea that both first superhero films are like high, high art. Uh, even though I don't believe in that distinction, people were bristling at that. And also whether the, and also people were pointing out the fact that, Hey, Captain America is owned by 
a corporation. So it's not our shared mythology. Uh, it's owned by a company. So if you want to put a Spider-Man symbol on your grave, and this is something that actually happened. A child wanted a Spider-Man gravestone and Marvel blocked them from doing it, would not allow them to do it. So how is that's not a shared culture. That's not a shared theology, mythology, wherever you want to call it. Um, but one thing I wanted to bring up is that I, I made I made a tweet. Well, I'll just read. I said, the reframing of folklore, mythology, and polytheistic art as being equivalent to the military-funded monoculture of superhero films is a psyop. <laughs> um, and a response I got a lot to this was, um, um, well, actually, uh, Greek myths were used in, uh, in all sorts of politics and warfare and stuff, which was a very odd response to begin with, because I don't know if that's supposed to be good or not. But, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but this is the thing, is that um, people focus on that specifically, but what I'm, I'm trying to say is it's the flattening of all of these things, of all storytelling cultures, of folklore mythology and polytheism all of these things now are supposed to be represented by the most shallow inhuman uh, like dissonant uh are quote unquote films that i have ever seen in my fucking life like the most plastic factory generated shit we are supposed to treat with the same reverence as like stories that have grown naturally out of hundreds or thousands of years amongst people like we are supposed to treat these things <laughs> as the same and they're not and you can think it's good or bad or whatever but good god they are not and the reframing of history as like you know greek mythology is the same as like marvel that serves such a specific purpose for marketing departments. And it kills yes. me that people can't see through it. Like I, you know, um, someone was bringing up recently, it was probably Matt Chrisman was saying that, you know, not everything is an op, but you should assume everything is an op basically. And that's how I feel like people need to start looking at like these marketing companies and uh, like the superhero stuff. Like you need to see why it is important for certain narratives to be pushed by these giant companies. They always have a goal in mind and it is never one that benefits culture or art. It's always, always the bottom line. Yeah, and I'll, I'll, like, uh, you know, uh, what I would say is that, you know, these are not Greek myths because if Greek myths were owned by Disney, they would have retconned out the parts where Zeus was <laughs> disguising himself as flamingos to get with get, get with ladies. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like Bullshit. there's weird shit in Greek myth that just wouldn't happen if it yeah. wasn't like yeah, owned by sex. everybody sharing together. You know, there's sex in yeah. Greek myth, you know, <laughs> at all. Because <laughs> these kinds of because uh, these kinds of myths and, you know, folklore as well. These are all meant to express things which are very, very deep, maybe inexpressible on like a logical level and weird sex stuff. I mean, that's part of it. That's part of like how mythology works is to address those kinds of things. Uh, a, a corporation like Disney is not seeking to explore like the depths of the human soul and morality and all this. They are looking to put out advertisements and then produce enough of a, you know, passes the quality grade product at the end that customers feel satisfied enough that they will go to the next product. And that's it. It's like that right. cold. Um, there is no intention of creating a, a grand, uh, you, you know, testament to humanity or the gods or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's no, there certainly is no like trying to tell people about life or anything like that or express anything really, uh, except for like buy more of the product and like, you know, uh, uh, operate in ways that our, you know, allies over at the uh, State Department want you to act. You know what I mean? Like, or like, you know, feel a way about China that we want you to feel, you know, like every sing single thing that they're trying to like express in these movies uh, is self-serving for themselves or their partners. And, you know, that just wasn't the case with what was going on with Greek myth. We were trying to teach people, they're trying to teach people about like life and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. It was so, so kind of put, uh, move back a little bit because I think we skipped over a little important part of this, uh, this dialogue. So the idea that comic books somehow reflecting a national myth of America is, is we have talked about it. That is valid in certain contexts. And most of that discussion, when people put are you know, saying this about comic books, they're just basically saying that, Hey, you should take comic books 
and and comic books specifically, not necessarily the movies, seriously as an art form. That's really where that argument that superheroes are our modern myth came from. So I don't we we we're overly dismissive of the way it's used now because it's not coming from fans and scholars. Yeah. It's coming from like the cor- well, it's oh, I guess in a sense it's coming from the fans, but it's coming from the fans to defend the corporate in the product not to defend the art or the medium or really take or get people to take it more seriously like and so like so they're and they use this argument superheroes as myths as a response to and this is kind of new to a pushback against the movie spinoffs right it's not about the comics themselves it's about the movie spinoffs that most fans like hate anyway right like most serious comic fans for the most part hate most superhero movies they think they're cheap shallow degradations of stories and characters that they love so it was very strange for them to bring this and also the way the clip is framed it's like extremely like an arrogant pushback it's like you are actually not just wrong if you don't respect comic book superhero movies movies now you're also stupid you're also unintellectual you're also a buffoon a buffoon uh if you question these things and they and when the clip was posted specifically they were targeting like martin scorsese whose critiques are nothing about the content but about the distorting force that superhero movies have on the marketplace right like he like his issue is not like they're not you know a American mythology or whatever you want to call them. His issue is that they're the only thing that's getting made and it stops other people from making different other kinds of movies for adults. Yeah. And there is uh, something that I've been grappling with lately because with, um, with my, my new show, RIP cinema, um, I think one of my biggest concerns with it is trying to establish a new way of like looking at um, taste. I think that's like a big concern of mine. And with the current culture, I'm actually having a really difficult time figuring out what taste even is anymore because like Disney fans, for example, and the Disney branding, it speaks in the language of populism and like, you know, it it speaks in the language of anti-elitism, but it's clearly not. And it's, it's not like... You know, it's not like every silly film gets this level of respect. It's not like the trash that I love gets talked about in this way. There, I, I'm stumbling over my words because I don't have an exact definition of it yet, but there is something that's shifted in the way that Disney has utilized this language of, yeah. of, of, of populism to make their products somehow fit both categories in that they are meant to be treated as serious serious art that you need to respect but also as silly fluff that you aren't allowed to critique and yes and i it's it's very difficult for me to engage with which is why i basically don't really talk about um i don't seriously talk about the films themselves because it's just so hard there's very little there and the conversation around it is so distorted that i don't know how to engage with but i don't think it's conversation it's the same as like talking about joe biden it's that people don't want to engage they don't want to (laughs) have any they don't want to engage at all about the stuff they like and they want people to shut up about anything that might make them feel weird about it frankly and, you know, I actually think that's fine. I actually think that if you and I feel like actually the majority of Marvel Disney fans are probably like this. They just go on their little account and they post about what they love. These other people, right, the people who make the viral tweets uh, kind of spur this up and try and try to make that fandom like feel like they have to be on the attack. Like you didn't have to post that. Like if you're a Marvel fan, there's no reason for you to post that cartoon clip and be like, yeah, fuck you, Martin Scorsese, unless you (laughs) want a fight. Like most, no one was like checking uh, for them. And, and this brings us uh, to the next uh, piece uh, of uh, Marvel uh, fandom uh, viral viral oh, yeah. <laughs> viral attack like assault like it's kind of like a psychic attack i didn't on post all about this one it just invaded my timeline i tried so hard to ignore it <laughs> all right so this is a uh image from uh, the tv show want division uh which is i guess finished last night but this is uh from the penultimate episode and it's a quote um and uh you i'm sure you most people have seen the image so it's elizabeth olsen and sitting next to a purple man. And the uh, caption says, um, but what is grief if not love persevering? 
okay, if I was watching a web series, I, I would that line wouldn't turn my head good or bad. I wouldn't think much of it if I'm being um, honest with you. But for some reason, it was the word went out that we needed to hammer this into people's head that not only is this show like a fun show to watch with cool superheroes, but is this is like excellent writing and deeply and says something very deep about the human condition. Uh, the, the caption is uh, on this uh, screenshot is, do you hear that sound? It's every screenwriter in the world whispering a reverent fuck under their breath. To in be totally all, honest, in all I, of this, can I be totally honest with you? I think that that is actually an accurate tweet, Leslie, um, because I think <laughs> that most screenwriters are fucking idiots. Yeah, We've interacted yeah. with screenwriters and television writers on Twitter, um, and they're fucking morons. Uh, and they probably do think that that's very meaningful, and wish that their their very uh, uh, low operation brain could have come up with something like that. I think that's a very accurate tweet, that's but true. it's more yeah, damning but- than the tweeter uh, uh, thought it was. Yeah, but the thing, yeah, the thing is, most screenwriters write crap, right? Like, like the <laughs> yeah. vast majority of yeah. stuff is crap. Obviously, most screenwriters write crap. I think the problem is that that is being elevated now, as if you were a screenwriter of like an Oscar award-winning picture. Even though we know that doesn't mean anything, but you know, like they're talking about this as if it's like prestige-level uh, TV writing. And first of all, and, and a lot of them were screenwriters themselves. And first of all, like they don't have the clout to really be declaring what's the best screenwriting. A yeah. lot of them really don't don't have room to talk. But it's this very weird thing where by elevating this crappy Disney stuff, they're elevating their stock and they all want to be seen visibly praising yeah, this like yeah. hackly, hackneyed, meaningless line and also threatening people. Uh, this <laughs> happened. This literally yes. happened. They threatened the jobs uh, and the future of people who no are criticizing it. No way. Jeez. Yeah. Couple. Yeah. A couple things to keep in mind there. Number one, any. I feel like whenever I see a big viral tweet about Disney going around, um, I always assume they're looking for a job. I always check their profile. Yeah. They're probably <laughs> <Yeah>. a writer. <laughs> they probably, you know, used to work at AV Club or something or whatever. Uh, other thing, uh, screenwriters, professional screenwriters, anyways. Um, most of them have that job uh, because of their dad. Uh, so you don't have to take yeah. their opinions that seriously. Um, Hollywood is full of uh, rich nepotism cases and weirdos and just inhuman uh, lizard people. So don't. So this tweet might not be. Uh, yeah, it might. It might be accurate. Yeah, to reality. <laughs> I think this is an accurate tweet. Um, the thing that I find. <clears throat> heartbreaking about this in some ways is that this is all American culture has to offer oh, yeah. about about dealing with grief after a year where half a million people die. <laughs> this is yeah. like what we have on offer is like total platitude <laughs> fucking dog shit yeah. inspirational poster crap after a year where we have experienced the civil war. Uh, amount of deaths yeah you know what i mean like that's what i actually find heartbreaking about this is that uh um is that you know uh, um is that we're we're willing to go to the trough for this fucking slop and actually act like it's enough after a year where half a million people died we do need to deal with grief we do need something to uh uh we do need to talk about grief and death and everything like that and it probably shouldn't be done with a fucking purple robot man on a pay for uh web series (laughs) that's the thing that bugs me about it is that this is what culture has to offer after this year uh, I, have a, I have a quick comparison I want to make. I think this actually lines up really well. Because, yeah, this it, it makes me very sad that um, if people are being genuine, if these are people's genuine reactions, I, I do feel very sad that there is so much more greater art people could be experiencing that they aren't because this is per- this is shown to them to be like the limits like this is what great art looks like when this is a this is a line that wouldn't even make it onto mad men like this is not even, yes. it's not even <laughs> and, and mad men's not even as good as the sopranos like you're like i love mad men but like uh, but and I want to say though that a, a comparison I want to make to Disney because I, I always find this one good is is the Godzilla films which I'm a huge fan of I love the Godzilla films, uh, but there is a different attitude with the Godzilla films than there is with the MCU because the MCU is so based in this like this weird contradiction where it is both 
you know, like we said earlier, it's silly, it's fluff, it's cartoony, but also we're supposed to take it seriously uh, as art and also like um, it has this commitment to a dull realism. It never actually gets that wacky. If you look at the Godzilla films, uh, most of them are quite wacky and you can just and you can just treat them as that. You can just treat it as easy fluff. You don't have to take everything super seriously. You don't have to say every film's the best in the world. But when it comes time to actually get serious, the Godzilla films do that as well. And like the original Gojira, of course, was a reaction to Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And that film is about grief. And it's extremely... It's serious, it's dark, it's it's a rich text. It brings up all these moral questions of like, you know, if Japan had the ability to strike back with their own nuke, like basically should they have done that? And and like these huge questions. Um, but then also you get Son of Godzilla, which is wacky and funny and, and it's kids film. You can do these things together. There are, it has been done before, but um, because Marvel, I think, tries to do both things at once because they have this weird audience, which is like, uh, you know, adult babies who <laughs> want to exist in both worlds at once. They end up with just this gray sludge where it is never fun and it is never moving. It is always just it's content. You know, it's just yes. a sludge of content, content, content. Yeah. Um, yeah uh, one pushback that I saw a lot. Because people, when they start, when the Disney fan, when the Marvel fans were like, oh, this is the greatest thing. People were like, why are you uh, standing something that's basically just uh, advertisement for the military industrial complex? And the pushback that I mostly saw, the only re responses I really saw was, oh, wow, edgy bro. Basically, uh. like you're like an edgelord <laughs> for saying that the Mar Mar Marvel's uh, movies, which work directly with the, like the, the, the Department of Defense, direct, like have CIA agents yeah. as characters, <laughs> major ongoing characters, hero heroic characters in yeah, it, their, their films. Like, they, I don't even know like what to say. Is like, do you just not <laughs> care about the real world at all? No, is they this the only don't. thing and you like, care about? The idea is that it's like, well, that's like a trite thing to say because we all know that. And I'm like, well, you just know it and don't give a shit. And so I guess this is why discourse actually is pointless. So you're right <laughs> uh, that the discourse is pointless and there's no reason to ever talk about anything. I, I'd say the underlying thing that when people try to push back on the fact that Marvel literally is government propaganda, you know, funded by the, the government and all this, uh, with, you know, the creators saying that they they thought it was politically useful, you know, with, with Disney itself being a political entity, all this, when people push back against it or say that's not important, I mean, what they're not saying is that they think it's good they think propaganda yes. is fine but but we know right. it's gauche to say that You're, we know we're not supposed to say that we like government propaganda but clearly right. people do people like if people like the government and i would say a lot you know I would say Marvel's politics are very status quo uh, you know liberal conservative um, and 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 I think a lot of the conversations dance around the fact that a lot of their fans actually just like the worldview that Marvel presents, but it's just it's imp it's impolite to express that. No, we we you know if only if anything if anything the thing that people push back on the most is that like Marvel puts in stuff that's pro-China in there. They're like, well, you know, if we want to talk about it, like they did have to cast they did cast a Chinese person so that it would do better over there. I'm like, you know, if that shows more than anything that these people just don't give a fuck. They just want to, like, get the movies released uh, uh, and bringing in a ton of money. Politics that we're critiquing about, you know, Marvel movies are shared by both the Democrats and the Republicans, right? Like the pro-military industrial complex the bomb, whoever we want. That's both sides. So, like, there's no... There's no schism there for those people. So, right, Rose, you're right. Like they, those people just like the military, and they're fine yeah. with bombing with bombing other countries as long as there is their guy doing it. Hey, we America's saw that. America's the best country in the world. So why would propaganda be bad about America? Exactly. Yeah. We just saw that with Biden and Syria. Uh, when Trump did it, he did it in a way that was very like unhinged and yeah. like very Twitter. -esque. He tweeted. He tweeted it, and also that's against the law for a president to do and everything. But when Biden does it, obviously, you know they're not going on TV 
and the tweets aren't the same. It's still just against the law, but it's against the law in a way that's a little more acceptable. It's noble, in fact. Like that was the day he became president when he bombed the country, bombed Syria, and then all these people who thought uh, it was Trump that was going to lead us into World War Three cheered it on uh, happily. Yeah, I mean, I was just going to say that you know this is like a you know reflection of American exceptionalism. It is like you know we are the most exceptional and greatest country in the world, and so why is it bad? For there to be propaganda about how we're the best and most important country in the world. It's, it, you know, this is that people have bought into the propaganda of America for so long that they just view it as truth. And so they're like, well, why is it wrong to tell the truth in a movie? I've been working on a, a thing about Martin Scorsese for a little while now and specifically like his approaches to masculinity and, and gender uh, because uh, I was writing it because I was very annoyed with um what I've known for a long time, which is a kind of pop feminist take on Scorsese is making bro movies, which I really right. disagree with. And it's been so funny because like my research and uh, my writing and stuff has been based around um, just pushing back against what is actually a more like, I would say a bit more of an academic or a bit more of an elite opinion that uh, Scorsese's films are, you know, uh, they're, Again, they're, they're they're gauche, you know. They're they're broad and simple. They're for bros who just want to watch mob guys or whatever. And so my writing has been kind of pushing back against a certain elitism. And so it's very funny when I have to engage with Marvel people who see Scorsese as like the keeper of high art. When I'm like, he made Goodfellas. <laughs> I Goodf know it's like, like he's made like... some of the most popular films ever made. Huge blockbuster, huge hits. Everybody owns a DVD of Martin Scorsese movie. Like this is like calling Spielberg elitist or something. <laughs> like this is insanity. That's <laughs> upside down. It, it's, just, it's just that the the goalposts have shifted so much. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like, like Scorsese movies are populist and like actually like there are probably reviewers that are like these are kind of trashy because they're yeah. about like the mafia and they're stuff like that. Films. They're it's genre films, like they're not those, uh, art films or whatever. But the line has 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 as as the goalposts have moved so much that anything that's not part of like an existing franchise is like an art film. You know what I mean? <laughs> like anything that you know, uh, uh, anything that isn't like wasn't based on a comic book or featuring characters we already know is an art film. Those are those are very fun movies with explosions and guns, and you know, <laughs> they're fat. Yeah, they're fast paced, fun movies for for everyone to watch. And have a good time with like it's yeah. it's very bizarre and that's uh that's also what i i think i'm seeing uh as like i think the most destructive element of disney right now is that it just it feels like an infection or like a black hole or something it just feels like it's eating away at all these elements of culture and that like even even i would say like maybe like the greatest working american filmmaker like the one of the most popular of all time uh can get set up as this like weird elite cultural villain i mean we're really at a point where uh it's disney is completely uh altering our our even our own view of like our own culture at this point honestly i i wish like i, I wish like you know uh um I wish some like actual fucked up directors would start talking some shit about Marvel just to oh force God, them yeah. to like uh, like I wish like Michael Haneke would be like I don't like Marvel either just so that they have to like go watch the movies to like so say <laughs> to like <laughs> say why uh, he's like you know whatever fucked up they'll be like uh, actually let's go back to Scorsese yeah and uh, to uh, <laughs> Leslie I might be jumping ahead of you here but uh, I want to transition into a bit of Snyder talk if that's okay. <laughs> Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, because um, I've been bit mostly just very bored of all the Marvel stuff for a long time. I've tried not to engage as much, but uh, I did actually find it quite interesting, the division and reactions to Zack Snyder and the Snyder Cut, because based on everything I've heard Marvel people say, it feels like this should be a celebratory event of like fans getting you know this this piece of art made and the attacks i see against snyder i'm not even a huge snyder fan but they are they just come off as so strange to me because he's such like, a like the the portrayal of him as a villain yeah so especially in a story where there is another director who is an actual villain in real yeah. life who made the original that got released uh and we we talked about this on the last episode but it did they cut out all the black people uh 
cut out, you know, from the film, like several black characters were just excised from the film. Uh, uh, were abuse. Were, he was abusive to the stars of the film. He was reported while they were still refilming and after they had this big investigation. They kicked him off his show. They kicked him off his show. That's not Zack Snyder. That's Joss Whedon. Yeah. That all mm. this happened to right, like yeah. Snyder didn't do anything but like suffer a horrible tragedy, yeah. and I guess horrible make a tragedy. movie that you didn't like, you know, a few years ago, a right? Again, like, like and and it's like kind of made into politics or something like that. Like it all <laughs> yeah. becomes about how like Snyder said he wanted to adapt Atlas Shrugged, which is really neither here nor there. I don't yeah. think it'd be a very good movie, but I don't really like. I I don't care that much well let <laughs> me clear well, that and, much and you know he did speak about this and he got asked about this because people were saying like oh he's a randy and obviously if you watch batman versus superman you can see the randy and overtones turns out he actually is one of the people who thinks that Anne Rand is a good writer. Oh my Literally God. says that she's like, ha she has, he's like, says basically like she has fucking brain worms about politics. And like, I think she even says like, she starts, she started sniffing her own farts or some shit like that. He says so, like, he really is like kind of nasty towards her politically, but yeah. he says, no, I just like it. Cause it's a cool book about architecture and fucking. And that's why I want to adapt it. In fact, he was pissed off because like, I can't adapt it. While Trump is president, I just can't do it. Like yeah. because it's, it would be, it would be, it would send the wrong uh, message. He did do three hundred while Bush was president. Probably a mistake, but but he learned from that apparently. So I he does. For me, it's not all politics. It doesn't have to be all politics. Yeah, I think that like it just is not like you yeah. know what I mean. I'm like I like and for some reason it had to be made into politics. I'm like I watched the Batman versus Superman movie and I understand. That if you watched it and you like things to be brighter and for people to make more jokes and stuff like that, that's fine. I don't necessarily agree or give a shit, um, but that's your opinion in movies or whatever. But to make it into like fucking to make it into like this was like a Randy and objectivist tale. I'm like. I simply disagree even on like a film structure standpoint. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I just actually disagree that this is some like Randy and parable or something like that because and I hate that I even have to explain this. Like what happens in the movie is that they learn it's bad to hate Superman yes. and to want to kill <laughs> Superman. It's like this yeah. is very basic screenwriting stuff. But if a movie starts with someone saying I want to kill Superman and I'm branding people and it ends with them not doing that. That's called a character arc. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the arc that you're talking about, if you wanted to see one that was Randy in, you would see one where it was like Batman trying to like, you know, work with other people and be nice and learning he has to work by himself uh, and destroy other people or whatever. Like, I don't know what to tell you. It's like probably end up with Iron uh, Man. Yeah, yeah, like exactly. honestly, truly. Yeah. <laughs> All right, like so, that's uh, a much more Randy and parable, the first Iron Man, uh, than what happens in Batman versus Superman. But what happens in Batman versus Superman is also. Oh. It's a fucking fight movie that is a comic book cartoon thing. Well, Jack, I don't want to spend too much time on that. We just did okay. the three-hour episode. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I, I, I know but all I'm, trying to say, all I'm trying to say is that it's like, you know, uh, uh, it's what, what that movie is is silly, stupid shit. And that's like what it's intended to be. It's intended to be like a build-up to a fight between Batman and Superman, like clanking against each other. And so the plot is all kind of in support of that. And if you're trying to find like deeper politics in it and like look about like, you know, what is Snyder trying to say about our Earth and all this kind of shit, I'm like, I think not very much. I think he's trying to figure out a context under which Batman and Superman can fight each other. Uh, and if that makes you all worried about <laughs> objectivism, then you need to take a chill pill. Uh, I just want to say uh, real, real quick before we move on from uh, from Snyder. Uh, but yeah, Batman v Superman, I, I, I find very interesting as a film also for its critical reception. Because to me, uh, I do think it very much represents what I think like an adult comic film should be in that it is you know stylized for adults it's using themes that adults are familiar with but it's also not trying to be like uh you know a dense political text it's trying to provide um adults with the experience of like a big superhero fight and it was very very yeah. fun to me and if you want to take it seriously and really like look into the politics or or, or the philosophy of it it, it it's a lot stronger and a lot more well thought out than um 
than like any of the Marvel movies that are getting praised. So if if you want to critique them both in that way, then like go for it. But I don't really see that happening. I would also say one other thing, and I said this in the three-hour commentary, but but just because something has a serious tone doesn't mean that you have to take it seriously. And you can enjoy things that don't give you the wink and tell you it's okay to enjoy this in a way that's not wholly serious. You know what I mean? Like, that's allowed for you to be like, I am still watching a man in a bat suit wail on an alien, uh, and I can just think that this is fun even if they are taking it seriously in the movie. Yes. So uh, Disney fandom very much trying to promote it as high art and crush all uh, detractors. Snyder Cut people, I think they just like think that like Snyder Cut people are like, wow, dark side. That's sick. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And well, apparently Mr. Show fans are fucking federal informants and fucking narcs because all of them fucking turned in one of the stars of the show to the FBI, essentially Jay Johnston of Mr. Show. Uh, this is, he's the main character of the day. He was, uh, apparently allegedly, allegedly, allegedly at the one six, uh, riots. The FBI has been posting pictures of people asking for people to identify them. And apparently his pictures came up. He's number two, four, Seven, according to the FBI, wanted to part in violence. I say in scare quotes, it's not actually said what he allegedly uh, did. Um, or if it's because if you actually go back and look at the cases they've made, they've mostly been like misdemeanors for like trespassing, and which shit. is what which is literally what it should be. But anyway, like trespassing is like what happened on that day. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I know we're trying to make it into a violent insurrection and that these were all insurrectionists. But what happened on that day was a number of people trespassing because the cops allowed them to trespass. Yeah, more more or less. And and it, when they posted a picture, like people started digging. It's like, hey, that looks like that c- guy from uh, the sketch comedy show I like. And they all just started like say it, confirming it. They like yeah. went through, confirmed it, and like told the FBI in real time, live, uh, that this guy that they I guess used to like and be fans of was he was at this event. So now they yeah. know where to find him. Did, Listen, it does. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Did uh did 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 we ner- did nobody internalize a cab after all those protests? I know. <laughs> I, no, like, I thought it, no. I, I thought it was all. I thought it was all cops. Yeah. I thought it was all cops. Because I that's what I was supposed about. I was like, I don't even know why I'm supposed to be upset at these people. Like they are. They're like the right wing people are obviously my political enemies, but also, like, I don't care if they storm a fucking government building. I'm not going to contact the FBI. <laughs> and when I, I mean, see the Mr., when I see someone I know on, like, an <laughs> FBI wanted list or whatever, my, my only reaction is, like, I don't know who that is. I don't know, I don't know where that I know. is. I don't never, know. This, never, never, saw ever, him in my ever. Life. <laughs> it's it's, it's snitching. never snitch. It's Stop never, snitching. ever snitch. It's never. never snitch to the cops about anything ever, okay? You, you know, it's like, I don't agree with the people that fucking I don't agree with storming the Capitol because you thought Donald Trump really won the presidency or whatever the fuck. But I do agree with storming capitals for other stuff. You know what I mean? Like, I actually do. Uh, um, and, you know, I, I do think that the initial knee jerk reaction to this. And if I'm being my most charitable here, I think it's that people forget that they're in a chat room with the actual real deal FBI. You know what I mean? It's like people saw that post and they're like, oh, my God, how can we figure this out? And the FBI can't figure it out. I'm like. They did by posting it to you <laughs> to figure it out for them. They went ahead and did that. You know what I mean? I'm like, I I do think people forget that they're actually in a chat room with the real FBI. And I was yeah. disappointed by a couple people who like were friends with Jay Johnson. I understand that Tim Heidecker deleted his tweet. But yesterday, Tim Heidecker posted like, I'm confirming this is Jay Johnson. And I'm like, you're yeah. not a reporter you're not like you're not a reporter. You're not a pol- you're not a politician. You're not a cop. Like, wh- what are you doing this for? Except for yeah. like clout, you know, or like it, it is just strange to me. And like, I know everybody kind of got into like like the holy shit of it all or whatever. But like, this is the FBI asking about you know a suspect and everybody tr- like tripping all over themselves to help the feds help turn someone into the feds. Yeah. 
you know what I mean? And it's like, I know that Jay Johnson was definitely at the Capitol uh, and he definitely did all this. I mean, I don't know. I'm not confirming that Allegedly. 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 Well, okay. I'm not confirming that myself. I just want to make the (laughs) point that I'm like, they could post anyone's picture for anything and say, this person's wanted for the Capitol and everybody would trip all over themselves to turn them in. It's like, this is still the fucking FBI, everybody. (laughs) Like, this is still the feds. Like, I know that everyone got scared by what they saw on television that day or whatever, but there's no good cops ever and you don't help cops ever and it's a no snitching forever that's the rule what do what do people think like what do people think the cops even are what do people think justin even is like what do you think is going to happen if you don't call the feds on the dude from mr show like do you think he's gonna- <laughs> i know like I, who gives a shit like, like honestly i'm like everyone seeing that it's him people were texting me like, in the afternoon cares? being like i think this is jay and i'm like well don't fucking post that because that's snitching. <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean i'm like i like that's kind of crazy honestly i'm like I, and listen i don't think i'm not like trying to say that jay johnston is a good guy i I think he's fucked up. This I think that some, he's he like some weirdo from a, a comedy show. I like, why am I, I supposed you to know, care? <laughs> I, I think that he's like on, you know, I think he's like actually having a rough time. I think he's like on drugs and alcohol and all this kind of stuff. And that's even like what people posted about him. And I'm like, so you are saying that your friend has a problem with drugs and alcohol. And so your reaction is to turn them in for fucking domestic terrorism to the feds. Okie dokie, everybody. I just think everyone is losing their minds a little bit over like online clout and over everybody thinking that they're like a reporter or something like that. Not every conversation needs to be had publicly. You don't need to confirm for your fucking (coughs) followers that this is who they think it is because you know who else is looking is the fucking feds (laughs) when they posted it out with his picture. You know? Yeah. And I want to say one thing that kind of brings this whole thing together and puts. I, all of one six in context. So there was a report that uh, came out um, that I think not a lot of people like talked about or looked into that basically uh, confirmed that the FBI before one six, because they had reports, they knew this rally was happening. They knew people were coming down. They knew some of these people may have been what they would call potentially violent actors. And so what they did was they went and visited them and told them not to come. The most what? dangerous and extreme, you know, right wingers who they saw were coming to this thing. They went, visited them, and told them not to come. Now, now if they were, you know, say uh, Muslim uh, people that uh, that FBI thinks are extremists, what they would have done is set up a massive uh, gun buy for them and try to put <laughs> right. them in prison yeah. for several years. But they, the FBI, apparently visited these people, told them not to come. So we so we know that the most extreme people, the boogeyman, uh, weren't there. There instead, yeah. it was a fucking sketch comic. A bunch of yeah. Dentists. That's the other thing is that I'm like <laughs> hearing that hearing that Jay Johnston was there makes me feel more than ever that this was a bunch of tourists walk wandering around yeah. in a fucking comic con setup. You yeah. know what I mean? I'm yeah. like I'm not trying to be a conspiracy theorist about this or anything like that. Uh, but here's some conspiracies I'm about to spin. Uh, um, listen, the it's well known that the head of the Proud Boys, the like leader of the Proud Boys, was an FBI informant. That came out no like way. right a, right after one six. Of course, that yes. this guy was an FBI informant. Oh, wow. Um, and he was also like, uh, uh, and he was arrested before one six. There was a big bunch of news about how this guy got arrested the weekend before one six. When every and I even before January six. Uh, um, where this guy, you know, basically got take an asset, got taken and put in a protected space during the uh, the riots. Now, listen, this guy was part of the planning of this. Like the Proud Boys were doing live streams, telling everybody to get out there on January 6th. And if you really want to be a, a cuckoo bird about it, they were doing it wearing FBI hats. <laughs> They are on live stream. All three of them are wearing FBI hats and saying, like, better come out to uh, uh, to one six or whatever. So, listen, I'm like when you say that the leader of the Proud Boys who helped plan this entire thing was an FBI informant. What that makes me think is that he was an FBI asset. You know what I mean? I think that this was an FBI asset. um, And the FBI did know what was going to happen. Um, You know, we know that uh, there's all sorts of reporting out there. There's testifying before Congress that everybody knew what was happening. 
Now, I'm not saying that, it, like, I'm not saying what the right wingers are, which is like Nancy Pelosi allowed it to happen or whatever. But what I do think happened is like there are a couple options when you find out that a bunch of Trump people are about to march on the Capitol. And the two options are gun them all down in the streets uh, and make them all into martyrs or let them in and get all the Congress people out of there and then like shoot a whole bunch of like footage of it. You know yeah. what I mean? I'm like, I just don't think. That this was as big a threat as everyone has been so uh, incentivized to make no. it into since then. No, um, it was, uh... And I watched it happen live, and it was it was comical. It was definitely like a wild thing to see that we've never seen before. But that doesn't also mean that they weren't staying inside the fucking rope barriers when they got into Congress, and that they didn't leave like a big Comic Con crowd when the cops told them to leave. You know what I mean? Like, uh, it can be unprecedented and scary, but it can also be like utilized for an end goal. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a wild event for sure, but I don't think the threat was that huge. And more importantly, to keep in mind now that it's over, is that the event has been extremely mm -hmm. useful to liberals for justifying mm -hmm. um, an increase in a. Uh, in, in a police state situation, but I, I'm I'm Canadian, so I want to get some clarification from from you Yankees. Uh, so mm -hmm. so for me, um, you know, watching the BLM protests and all that, I think it became pretty obvious that the cops are you know a white supremacist institution, yeah. and I feel like a lot of people clued into that. Um, and then at the Capitol riots, police were letting them into the building. Yep. So my question is, is why is it that people think that the FBI wants to stop white supremacy? You know, the FBI, why, as far, as, far as I'm this? concerned, the FBI might literally have been running the Proud Boys. You know what I mean? Like if the if the yeah, like I, I don't think that they're ready to they don't want to stop white supremacy. They sent fucking Martin Luther King letters being like, you better kill yourself. You know yeah. what I mean? Like this is the FBI we're talking about. And, and I and my question, too, is that because because this is an actual serious question I have. Do people think now that Biden is an office? That that means that the bad cops are the ones that are like, you know, the on the ground officers um, and that the good cops are the FBI because they work like under Biden. Like the feds are good guys because they're part of the Biden Rose. institution. Is that what's going I, on right now? No. What I think it is, is that people don't. It doesn't matter to people that they hold different contradictory thoughts in their head. <laughs> and it doesn't matter what they thought they five care. months ago. Like, yeah. I think care. that I think the police as a whole have been basically like rehabilitated by one six. It's like yeah. now now all the liberals are like literally posting pictures of like, damn, this cop like really kicked ass and he was fucking like pepper spraying five people at the Capitol. And yeah. here's the hero cop, Eugene Goodman, you know, stopping people and here, you know, not really noticing that he wore a blue lives matter mask uh, uh not too long after that i think that what we've seen at one six and another reason why one six was useful was to revalorize the cops in the mind yeah. of liberals and i do think you know and i worry about all this stuff i do worry about you know um us creating a culture where we're all so ready and willing to snitch on each other directly to the fbi i worry about you know that we're valorizing cops ahead of you know, what is certain we are certain to have more situations like the uh, uprising that happened around George Floyd. And when those happen, I, 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 I just think it's another one of these things where liberals might have accidentally been right only in the <laughs> short term because of being reactionary against Trump. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like I don't even think we would have shut down for covid if they didn't have Trump to be reactionary about. Like, you know, I and I don't and we definitely would have uh, uh, like we would have absolutely uh, uh, clamped down on the protests um, if they didn't have Trump out there saying clamp down on the protests. You know what I mean? It's like I don't think that these ideas have to be consistent in their minds. And I and I worry also like I saw uh, an article recently that was like, you know, um, the, the, the FBI has like arrested someone, uh, who had a whole stash of guns because he was like making threatening posts about politicians online. And this was a right winger guy. And so we can all be happy because it was a right winger that this happened to. And I hate the right wingers too. And the MAGA guys, but I know people who own guns yeah. and who make threatening sounding posts about <laughs> politicians online. You know what I mean? And yeah. I'm like, I think that like. Starting to arrest people off of posts and because they own guns 
is alarming to me. It is alarming to me. And when I start seeing the FBI and the new head of Homeland Security talking about how there's 2000 domestic terrorism cases in the pipeline, <laughs> I'm like, I don't think all 2000 of those are proud boys. I, I think uh, a good thought experiment for anyone at home thinking about their opinion on like the liberal police state is uh, just imagine if the FBI decided that you were a suspected terrorist. Like, just imagine what details they would pull from your life in order to make that story appear true. It's so, so simple. So we have to be so careful um, mm -hmm. uh, in regards to, like, who we want surveilled and also what information we're going to hand directly over to the cops, like identifying people uh, on a public platform. Which uh, And the thing, and the thing that actually also <laughs> fucks me up about all of this is that it feels like all the people, all the like journalists who used to talk about civil rights and give a shit about this are all way too preoccupied with who's getting fucking banned on Twitter. Like <laughs> yeah. they're all now like completely obsessed with like censorship as regards to Facebook and Twitter to even give a shit about any of this stuff. So whatever. <laughs> right. I guess fuck it. I probably shouldn't say I'll bite it out and say oh, I probably shouldn't say. All right. Well, thank you so much uh, for joining us, Rose. Where can people find you? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at R.I.P. Cinema uh, on YouTube. My channel is called Flower Guardian, but R.I.P. Cinema is the series that I'm doing right now. And uh, oh, and uh, and yeah, check out my Patreon, patreon.com slash Flower Guardian, I believe. Uh, I'm very excited about the stuff I'm putting out uh, right now. I have a lot of good stuff in the works. And uh, thanks so much for having me on again. I always love coming on Struggle Session. Thanks for coming back. It's always a pleasure to have you. It was a, a great conversation. All right. Thank you so much. Peace. Later. Have a good one. Uh,